All right, so this evening we will be in Numbers uh, chapters 34 and 35. Again, just as a reminder, we are on the east side of the Jordan River. Um, and uh, as we head out of Numbers in the next couple of weeks and into Deuteronomy, uh, which will be Moses' uh, last word uh, to the Israelites before he dies and then subsequently before Joshua leads the Israelites um, west into the land of Canaan. So we are coming to the end here of the book of Numbers. Last time we were together, uh, we talked about how two and a half of the Israelite tribes, uh, Reuben, Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh, uh, requested land on the east side of the Jordan uh, since they had many flocks and it was a good land. Uh, for pasturing their flocks, and so they were granted that land on the east side of the Jordan River, which left uh, nine and a half tribes uh, to cross over eventually the Jordan River uh, to to take control of the land in Canaan. And I say nine and a half, uh, except that tonight we will see in Numbers chapters 34 and 35, we will also see that the tribe of Levi uh, will also acquire some land in the land of Canaan, uh, but not uh, by an allotment, but we will see uh, by cities. And so uh, as we pick up in Numbers chapter 34, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall to you as an inheritance, even the land of Canaan according to its borders. Your southern sector shall extend from the wilderness of Zin along the side of Edom, and your southern border shall extend from the end of the Salt Sea eastward. Then your border shall turn direction from the south to the ascent of Akrabim, and continue to Zin, and its termination shall be to the south of Kadesh Barnea, and it shall reach Hazaradar, and continue to Asmon, and the border shall turn direction from Asmon to the brook of Egypt, and its termination shall be at the sea. Uh, verse 6, as for the western border, you shall have the great sea, that is uh, what we know as the Mediterranean Sea, of course, that is its coastline, this shall be your west border. Verse 7, and this shall be your north border. You shall draw your border line from the great sea to Mount Hor. You shall draw a line from Mount Hor to Libo Hamath, and the termination of the border shall be Zidad. And the border shall proceed to Ziphron, and its termination shall be at Hazar Enon. This shall be your north border. For your eastern border, you shall also draw a line from Hazar Enon to Shepham. And the border shall go down from Shepham to Riblah on the east side of Ain. And the border shall go down and reach to the top to the slope of the east side of the Sea of Chinnereth, or we know that as the Sea of Galilee. And the border shall go down to the Jordan, and its termination shall be at the Salt Sea, or the Dead Sea as we know it. This shall be your land according to its borders all around. Verse 13, So Moses commanded the sons of Israel, saying, This is the land you, that you are to apportion by lot among you as a possession, which the Lord has commanded to give to the nine and a half tribes. For the tribe of the sons of Reuben have received theirs according to their father's Households, and the tribe of the sons of Gad, according to their father's households, and the half tribe of Manasseh have received their possession. The two and a half tribes have received their possession across the Jordan, opposite Jericho, eastward toward the sun rising. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, These are the names of the men who shall apportion the land to you for inheritance Eleazar the priest, and Joshua the son of Nun. 
And you shall take one leader of every tribe to apportion the land for inheritance. And then in verses 19 through 28, there's a listing uh, of the leaders of each of the tribes. And I just note in verse 19 that Caleb is mentioned there as the leader of the tribe of Judah. And then in verse 29, these are those whom the Lord commanded to apportion the inheritance to the sons of Israel in the land of Canaan. And so we see here um, the, the, uh, the boundaries of the land of Canaan as God will give to the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham, as an inheritance, again, which he promised to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 15. And um, so you can, uh, if you have a good study Bible, or you can use your favorite search engine and find an image uh, of the land of Canaan according to the best estimates for where each of these borders uh, is. And again, as I mentioned, it's obviously the Mediterranean Sea on the west side and the Jordan River uh, in between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea on the east side. That is the land of Canaan proper uh, that is given to the Israelites as an inheritance by God. And uh, so that's defined up to uh, verse 12. And then the Israelites, as I previously mentioned, um, are reminded that two and a half of the tribes, Reuben and Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh asked for land on the east side of the Jordan and were granted it uh, by Moses in Numbers chapter 32. And then uh, we will see, uh, Lord willing, as we get into the book of Joshua and read of the conquest of the land of Canaan, uh, as that conquest is taking place and uh, coming to its completion, the uh, land of Canaan will be apportioned by lot or by uh, uh, yes, yeah, by lot uh, to each of the tribes, the nine and a half tribes. And so it says in verse 17 that Eleazar, the priest, uh, Aaron's son, and of course Joshua, the son of Nun, shall be those who oversee. Uh, the allotment of that land, uh, presumably by uh, the Urim and the Thummim at that time. And so we see here in Numbers chapter 34 uh, the, the clear demarcation of the land of Canaan as God, uh, the Lord, the covenant God of Israel, envisions it as an inheritance for the Israelites. Now within that land, as we pick up in Numbers chapter 35, we will see the portions of that land that will be provided to the Levites. And again, remember, the Levites will not get an allotment in the land of Canaan, but they will get cities to live in, right? And, and you remember, uh, I'm not going to walk through the entirety of the story, but the God had preserved and, and reserved the Levites for himself. He himself, Yahweh, was the Levites' inheritance. And so this uh, these are the cities, uh, the, the inheritance, as it were, that is provided for the Levites in Numbers chapter 35, beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord Yahweh spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho, saying, Command the sons of Israel that they give to the Levites from the inheritance of their possession cities to live in. And you shall give to the Levites pasture lands around the cities, and the cities shall be theirs to live in. And their pasture lands shall be for their cattle and for their herds and for all their beasts. And the pasture lands of the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall extend from the wall of the city outward a thousand cubits around. 
You shall also measure outside the city on the east side 2,000 cubits, and on the south side 2,000 cubits, and on the west side 2,000 cubits, and on the north side 2,000 cubits, with the city in the center. This shall become theirs as pasture lands for the cities. And so uh, we see here that the Levites will be provided for. Um, they will be given cities to live in throughout uh, the land of Canaan. Uh, and you can see also that the cities are to be in the middle of a, uh, a circle, we would assume, something circular or maybe even square around the cities um, so that the, the livestock of the Levites, which much of which uh, presumably was used for the temple worship, uh, could uh, um, graze. And so you see in verse 4, uh, the thousand cubits around, that is most likely for something like pens um, or barns and or barns to, to keep the uh, flocks in. And then in verse 5, you see that the pasture lands are extended even beyond the 1,000 cubits in verse 4 out to 2,000 cubits for the grazing of the flocks of the Levites. And in verse 6, we pick up and we'll begin to discuss the cities of refuge. And we'll spend the rest of our time this evening here in uh, Numbers 35, talking about cities of refuge. So Numbers chapter 35, picking up in verse 6. And the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall be the six cities of refuge, which you shall give for the manslayer to flee to. And in addition to them, you shall give forty-two cities. All the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall be forty-eight cities, together with their pasture lands. As for the cities which you shall give from the possession of the sons of Israel, you shall take more from the larger, and you shall take less from the smaller. Each shall give some of his cities to the Levites in proportion to his possession which he inherits. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select for yourselves cities to be your cities of refuge, that the manslayer who has killed any person unintentionally may flee there. And the city shall be to you as a refuge from the avenger, so that the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for trial. And the cities which you are to give shall be your six cities of refuge. You shall give three cities across the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan. They are to be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the sons of Israel and for the alien and for the sojourner among them, that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there. But if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. And if he struck him down with a stone in the hand, by which he may die, and as a result he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. Or if he struck him with a wooden object in the hand, by which he may die, and as a result he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The blood avenger himself shall put the murderer to death. He shall put him to death when he meets him. And if you pushed him of hatred or threw something at him lying in wait and as a result he died, or if he struck him down with his hand in enmity and as a result he died, the one who struck him shall surely be put to death. He is a murderer. The blood avenger shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. Verse 22. But 
If he pushed him suddenly without enmity, or threw something at him without lying in wait, or with any deadly object of stone, and without seeing it, dropped on him so that he died, while he was not his enemy nor seeking his injury, then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the blood avenger according to these ordinances. And the congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the blood avenger, and the congregation shall restore him to his city of refuge to which he fled. And he shall live in it until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. But if the manslayer shall at any time go beyond the border of his city of refuge to which he may flee, then the blood avenger finds him outside the border of his city of refuge, and the blood avenger kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood, because he should have remained in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer shall return to the land of his possession." And these things shall be for a statutory ordinance to you throughout your generations in all your dwellings. If anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death at the evidence of witnesses, but no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Moreover, you shall not take ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death, but he shall surely be put to death. And you shall not take ransom for him who has fled to his city of refuge, that he may return to live in the land before the death of the priest. So you shall not pollute the land in which you are, for blood pollutes the land, and no expiation can be made for the land for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. And you shall not defile the land in which you live, in the midst of which I dwell, for I the Lord am dwelling in the midst of the sons of Israel. Okay, so... In Numbers chapter 35, we see that the Levites are not given, again, they're not given an allotment in the land of Israel, but they are spread out over the land of Israel. So, if you would very briefly turn with me uh, back to Genesis chapter 49. If you remember Genesis chapter 49, this is the great chapter where Jacob uh, pronounces these um, uh, prophecies uh, over his 12 sons. And uh, Genesis 49 is a, is a very rich chapter. I just, in this um, brief time we have together, I want to point out verses 5, 6, and 7. So in Genesis chapter 49, verse 5, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. Let my soul not enter into their counsel. Let not my glory be united with their assembly, because in their anger they slew men, and in their self-will they lamed oxen. Verse 7, Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So these three verses are the prophecy that Jacob makes over the brothers Simeon and Levi, which we have said uh, several times in the past in this study through the Pentateuch. They are um, often spoken of together. If you remember all the way back in Genesis chapter 34, uh, there was the incident uh, with the rape of Dinah and Simeon and Levi going in and killing uh, the men of Shechem. And they here in verse 7 are cursed. They're cursed uh, and you can see in verse 7 that um, it says, I will, God is speaking through Jacob, I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And we can see here that as we see the Levites, the tribe of the Levites being scattered uh, through the land of Canaan, um, you can see that this prophecy is actually going to be fulfilled uh, in, in the tribe of Levi. 
in verse 6, we have a description of these cities of refuge. And there's obviously a long portion, and much of this uh, Numbers chapter 35 is discussing the cities of refuge. And we see in verse 6 that there will be six of them. And in verse 6, it's very clear that these cities of refuge um, are places where the manslayer may flee to. And so there's a very important distinction to be made here in Numbers chapter 35 between a manslayer and a murderer. Between a manslayer and a murderer. And so we'll talk a little bit about that just in a few minutes. Um, But in verse 7, you see the cities that are to be given to the Levites. Um, They're going to be 48 cities total. So 42 cities from the allotment to the tribes plus uh, six cities of refuge. So the Levites will have 48 cities total in Canaan and also in Gilead, east of the Jordan River. So, verse 10, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select for yourselves cities to be your cities of refuge, that the manslayer who has killed any person unintentionally may flee there. That's Numbers chapter 35, verse 11. A couple of things to say here in this verse 11. So, the first thing, if you would like to do so, you could turn back to the book of Exodus to the Book of the Covenant. So the Book of the Covenant is Exodus 20 through 23. Of course, as you know, Exodus 20 begins, uh, the Book of the Covenant begins with the Ten Commandments. And then it goes through Exodus chapter 23. I just very briefly would like to point you to Exodus chapter 21, beginning in verse 12. So again, this is the book of the covenant between Yahweh and the nation of Israel, which we saw uh, a couple of years ago now. Exodus 21, beginning in verse 12. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. Verse 13. But if he, the person who struck the other man, did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint you a place to which he may flee. And so this was the first time uh, back in Exodus chapter 21 verse 13 that we saw a, um, a, a reference to these cities of refuge. And at that time, I mentioned that we would eventually get uh, to Numbers chapter 35, and so here we are. So those cities of refuge uh, are mentioned even in the Book of the Covenant, and obviously we have a much longer discourse on the nature of these cities of refuge here in Numbers chapter 35. And it's very important to point out also in Numbers 35 verse 11 that this is this person is called a manslayer because he has killed another person unintentionally unintentionally and of course as you know in our own penal codes here in our country uh, we have various levels of uh, murder as well as charges for manslaughter uh, for this very reason because um, sometimes there are very truly um, speaking in human terms Accidents, right? For example, if somebody raises an axe over their head so that they are getting ready to cut a piece of wood, and as they raise the axe over their head, the head of the axe comes off and it buries itself uh, in a man who is standing nearby. This is clearly um, a killing, but it is done uh, unintentionally, without intent, without malice, without. Um, 
premeditation. And so God, um, He has ordained these things according to His purposes and His ends, uh, which we've been hearing about from the pulpit on Sunday morning. God ordains these things, but certainly not every killing uh, is of equal levels of premeditation. And so these cities of refuge are identified uh, in the land of Canaan, three of them, and also three of them on the east side of the Jordan, that someone who is guilty of manslaughter or unintentionally killing another man um, to which he might flee. And I would also point out that in our Leviticus study, back in Leviticus chapter 4, for example, we also talked about sacrifices uh, and we talked about um, unintentional sins in that context. And I was pointing out at that time as well that the Mosaic Code never provides mercy for intentional sins. Never provides sacrifice for intentional sins. Sins, and so we can. You can go back to the early parts of the series in Leviticus uh, to hear a longer discussion on this unintentionality. But we see it here uh, in verse eleven. We will see it again in verse. 15, verse 15 says, These six cities shall be for refuge for the sons of Israel, and for the alien, and for the sojourner among them, that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there. So, not only is unintentionally mentioned again in verse 15, but we also see from verse 15 that the law will be the same not just for the Israelites, but also for the the aliens and the sojourners, right? So the aliens are the ones who are passing through, who have not joined themselves to Israel. And then, of course, the sojourner is the person who is not necessarily a native Israelite, but who has come from a distant land and joined himself or herself to the nation of Israel. Regardless of your status in the land of Canaan, uh, these Uh, laws apply equally across the board. And that is a a moral righteousness, uh, equality under the law. And so in verse 12, the city shall be to you as a refuge from the avenger, so that the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for trial. So who is the avenger? Well, in the situation that I previously mentioned, the axe head, for example, uh, it is most likely that the avenger would be the nearest of kin for the man who was killed unintentionally, right? And you could imagine, I'm sure, that in that kind of situation, there would be a great deal of anger and wrath and uh, desire uh, for revenge on behalf of the nearest of kin of the man who was killed, right? This is uh, the avenger. And so the cities of refuge uh, are places for the one who does the unintentional killing to run to until he has his day in court. And you can see that at the end of verse 12, that he stands before the congregation for trial. And it is most likely that there were um, judges most likely Levites, uh, in these cities of refuge uh, for the purpose of standing trial. And we will see uh, more about those trials as we get to the end of chapter 35. I note here um, 
in verses 13 and 14. And the cities which you are to give shall be your six cities of refuge. Verse 14, you shall give three cities across the Jordan. And that would be in Gilead, where Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh are living. And three cities in the land of Canaan. They are to be cities of refuge. And so I would note here um, that the cities of refuge, uh, their locations are designed in such a way that all of the Israelites uh, would live near to one. So someone who is a manslayer, who unintentionally kills another person, um, does not have to go very far. And in fact, um, if you look at the geography and the location of these cities of refuge, uh, a man would not have to travel more, uh, likely more than half a day uh, to find refuge in one of these cities of refuge. And uh, we will come back to that as we close up shop on Numbers 35. And so you can see the laws being very clearly laid down in verses 16 and following. And of course, the difference here is intent. So in verses 16 through 21, uh, you can see the premeditative nature of the killing. Um, And so if he struck him down with an iron object, verse 16, if he struck him down with a stone in his hand, and uh, the intent is by which he may die, Verse verse 18, if he struck him with a wooden object by which he may die. And in each case, it's the uh, verses 16, 17, and 18 end with the murderer shall surely be put to death. And the person who's responsible for carrying out that capital punishment in the case of premeditated murder is the avenger himself. You see that in verse 19. The blood avenger himself shall put the murderer to death and he shall put him to death when he meets him. Okay, And so this is really important to understand and we'll see later that you cannot buy your way out of this capital punishment. In verses 22 and following, however, you see these manslaughter charges, these unintentional deaths. But if he pushed him suddenly without enmity or threw something at him without lying in wait or with any deadly object of stone and without seeing it dropped on him so that he died while he was not his enemy nor seeking his injury, then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the blood avenger according to these ordinances. And so again, here we have the congregation being referred to, um, and this is most likely uh, representative judges who will stand at, um, over top of the, the trial uh, on behalf of the congregation and make a righteous judgment, and they will judge between the avenger and the manslayer. And this is very important because if the judges rule that the uh, that the person is a manslayer, then that manslayer will not be put to death. Instead, he will be granted refuge in one of the six cities of refuge, uh, presumably the city of refuge nearest his home. However, if during the course of that trial, the, uh, the, 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 the man who did the killing is determined not to be a manslayer, but instead to be a murderer, then the avenger has every right and actually is required to carry out the capital punishment. The Verse 25 
So if it is found via the trial that the man is uh, guilty of manslaughter and not murderer, it's very clear. The congregation, verse 25, shall restore him to his city of refuge to which he fled, and he shall live in it until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. I will come back to that in a few moments. And then the warning for the manslayer, verse 26, If the manslayer shall at any time go beyond the border of his city of refuge to which he may flee, and the blood avenger finds him outside the border of his city of refuge, and the blood avenger kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood, because he, the manslayer, should have remained in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer shall return to the land of his possession. In verses 29 and following, additional statutes in the case of murder and manslaughter. And these statutes have to do with the exchange of monies. Verse 30, if anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death at the evidence of witnesses, but no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. And you can see uh, this uh, this statute is actually expanded uh, out in Deuteronomy chapter 17, um, where uh, you will need the evidence or testimony of two or three witnesses. And uh, of course, we understand why this is the case. Uh, it is very easy uh, to get one person uh, to provide some testimony uh, to the guilt of another person. It is much more difficult to get two or three witnesses to agree, especially to the details. Uh, we see that in our own penal codes, um, the, the necessity of multiple witnesses. Um, and we, we see, uh, for example, you could apply this. Uh, even in the gospel accounts when our Lord and Savior Jesus is on trial and they could not, the, the gospel writers bear witness to the fact that they could not get their witnesses to agree to the things that Jesus had supposedly done in violation of the law. And so that would have also been in violation of the Jewish law, the Mosaic Code that we see here in Numbers chapter 35. And and, and I would just say as a as a direct cultural reference, this is... Um, some of the things that we've been seeing, even in our own culture, uh, where uh, people are condemned uh, on the testimony of one witness without a trial. This is something that we as uh, Christians ought to reject out of hand. And uh, that's why we, in our own penal code here in our country, uh, there's a presumption of innocence until the trial is completed and until multiple witnesses have come and borne testimony to the guilt of the one who is accused. And so these are very uh, important statutes uh, in the Mosaic Code, uh, and they are import very important statutes for us as well, even in our current cultural context. Verse 31, Moreover, you shall not take ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death, but he shall surely be put to death. Verse 33, skip down, So you shall not pollute the land in which you are, for blood pollutes the land, and no expiation can be made for the land for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. And so we see here uh, that, that a person being willing to buy their own innocence as it were, right, um, is absolutely opposed to the Mosaic law. And this takes us 
all the way back, even to Genesis chapter 9, as part of the, the Noahic covenant. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. Go back to Genesis 9, verse 6, where capital punishment was established by God with Noah. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he, God, made man. <coughs> so this is uh, carrying on uh, the statute that is in the uh, Noahic covenant. And we see here that this shedding of blood, which even takes us further back, I would argue, to Genesis chapter 4, where Cain kills Abel. And God says that the blood is crying out from the ground. And we see that this spilled blood by a murderer will actually pollute the land of Canaan. And no expiation, that is no removal of that blood, no removal of that guilt, no removal of that sin is even possible unless the blood is shed on it. Okay, And so this is uh, an establishment of capital punishment, not just from Genesis chapter 9, but also again and again here in Numbers chapter 35. In a similar manner, verse 32, you shall not take ransom for him who has fled to his city of refuge, that he may return to live in the land before the death of of the priest. And so we see here that this statute uh, is perpetual, that as the high priest lives, so shall the man live in the city of refuge under the protection, frankly, of the Levites who live in the city of refuge. Okay, so what is what does all this mean for us? Well, um, so many of the commentators, so many of the commentators, and I agree with them, um, point out that these cities of refuge are um, in some manner types or shadows of the salvation that we have uh, in Jesus Christ, almost a prefiguring of Christ. as a place where those who are guilty of unintentional sins, again tying us back to Leviticus chapter 4, Jesus Christ as being a place even a person to whom we can run and be protected from um, the wrath that, that of the Avenger, as it were. So we can run into Christ and be protected by him. And so God, in his mercy and grace, provides these cities of refuge in the land of Canaan as a place where his people can go and be protected from Wrath, And we note here in verse 14 that the fact that there are three cities in Gilead and three cities in Canaan uh, means um, that Christ is close to all of God's people. We do not have to run far to run into the protection of Jesus Christ. And for that, we should be thankful and is also a manifestation of the mercy and grace which has been poured out on us and for us. And then we see here that um, that the high priest, while the high priest is alive, right, the manslayer must stay in the city of refuge. And, and there's a sense in which the death of the high priest, for example, in uh, verses 25 and 28, um, while that high priest is alive, then that protection of that man uh, is valid in the city of refuge. And so even the high priest living and maintaining pr uh, protection of the manslayer is a prefiguring of Christ. And we also see here, of course, how seriously God takes 
the sin of murder, even hearkening back to Genesis chapter 29. And so this final warning in Numbers chapter 34, God says to the Israelites, You shall not defile the land in which you live, in the midst of which I dwell. For I, the Lord, am dwelling in the midst of the sons of Israel. And so we see God providing mercy and grace to the Israelites for this, through the cities of refuge. But also, again and again, as we see here in verse 34, the call of Yahweh on his people to live holy lives. And of course, the reason, the motivation for the holy life, not just for Israel, but for us as well, is that God dwells in our midst. And so we should be thankful uh, for the uh, protection, the refuge that we have in Jesus Christ, which is uh, typified for us here in Numbers chapter 35. So next time we're together, uh, we will close out uh, with chapter 36, and we will wrap up the book of Numbers.